Alright, so part two of our journey through the Gospel of Mark. And I trust last week was a blessing for you as it was for me. And if you haven't listened to the sermon, won't you please do so online? Uh, we don't want to miss out on anything God wants to say to us through this book for the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to dive straight in by reading from Mark chapter 1, verse 16. And uh, I want to share with you my title as I'm about to read it. The title of today's sermon is Jesus the People Person. So let's read together from Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. He called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Friends, I want to remind you this morning, it's the most wonderful thing to proclaim, is that God has sought you out, you individually, and has approached the world corporately, not by giving us a fresh batch of laws, not by rebuilding a, a, a fresh building called a temple where His presence might be, and you get to go three times a year, track to that place, and hopefully get as close as you can to the presence of God. No, no, is the God of heaven has sought you out this morning by sending his son. It is the most extravagant and wonderful display of love upon people like you and me who don't deserve it. And the worst thing I can do for you as a preacher this morning is to preach anything other than Jesus being the center of God's love and fulfillment of His promises. If you fall more in love with this building, if you fall more in love with your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you fall more in love with your work and with your sports or with your body, I've failed. <laughs> or let me put it this way. The thing that we want most for you when you leave this morning and as you sit here is to marvel at the joy that God is drawing you to Himself, not by a law, not by a lifestyle, not even by a building. He's drawing you to Himself through His Son, Jesus. And to taste the good news and to experience the good news is to experience Christ. Amen? And to become a Christian, please, is not to have gone to Sunday school and done all the homework. To become a Christian is not to be a church member. Foundations will not save you. Friends, to be a Christian is to know that Jesus Christ is alive, not just in your head, but in your heart. You know, as this name is being preached, he means something to you. He's not just a man who lived, but he's a man who's alive in you, resurrected from the dead. And to become a Christian is to know and to believe and to hope with everything you have that Jesus is enough. 
But to go on from then, and, and you'll see this progression of Christ in this gospel. It's so beautiful. If you want to not just become a Christian, but you want to be a Christian, in other words, in everyday life, you have to know Jesus. And what we are doing in this Gospel of Mark is we are wanting to help us wrap our, not just our heads, but our hearts around Him. And I, I want to kick off today with my first point, which is Jesus loved being with people. I, I, <laughs> it's such a wonderful street to open up with. Right at the very start of His ministry, you can see Jesus' love for people. And I'm grateful that Jesus is not John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist would stay out in the wilderness, and if you wanted to go and find out what was happening, you had to go to him, and he was a bit of a weirdo, right? I mean, it would be quite difficult to follow a guy wrapped up in camel hair and, and, and got long hair, and you weren't quite sure what you're going to get for supper. I mean, it could be wild, wild honey and locusts, you know. It's, he's not the most appealing kind of person, and the problem that I have with John the Baptist, and you better come as please hear me when I say that, is you have to leave everyday life to go and experience ministry from God. But Jesus is exactly the opposite. It's the most wonderful. This leader doesn't say, hey, come and find me in the synagogue. He doesn't say, hey, come and find me in the schoolroom. He doesn't say, hey, come and find me in the temple. No, <laughs> he comes and he finds you in the village, in the city, in all of the places of ordinary day life. He loves to be with people and friends. There's something to be caught, not just with our heads, with our hearts today, around this person of Jesus and his love for people. Can I point out to you today that the way you see Jesus in your mind's eye affects how you relate to him? I'll give you a personal story. I'm 35 years old and I got saved as a little young boy. But it's only been the last few years when I've realized how much my picture of Jesus has affected how close I can get to him. Now, each of us are different, but I'll tell you my story this morning. Whenever Christ was spoken about and whenever you, over the years, I formed this picture of Jesus being enthroned in the heavens and all of creation worshiping him and the, the heavenly host worshiping him and he was so glorious and so wonderful and so other compared to me that the side effect of only having that picture of Jesus which is correct but it's not the only picture but the side effect of having that picture of Jesus being so holy so majestic so glorious meant I never felt at ease around him what that means is is taking that picture and translating that into everyday life, going to the office, being a part of a family, being a part of uh, sport, and it just does not transfer. And how many of you, if you had to be in the presence of a king, could ever feel that would be someone that you could be close to? Or so glorious and enthroned in heaven. And friends, what I've realized is, and the gift of the gospel of Mark, is he gives us a picture that both affirms the divinity of Christ, but also his humanity. And if you are going to live 
close to Jesus, you need both. Let me tell you, don't hear what I'm not saying, or don't, yeah, what I'm not saying this morning. I am saying this Jesus is the Son of God, but what makes it so wonderful that He would want to be with you is because the Son of God Himself, the King of Heaven, is interested to step into your life and share it with you. You don't know the wonder of what it means to be loved like that unless you see Him as divine and it's the truth. I, I know all objections rise up in your heart and how can it be? How can it be that the Son of God would want to know me and spend time with me and walk with me and, and enjoy life with me? Not just ordering my bowing down and my worshiping and all of my dutiful um, sacramental following of Him, all of these gifts that He's given. No, no. This is a relationship that can be so personal. You don't see the wonder of walking with Jesus unless you see Him as divine. Do you want to know what true love feels like? Is that the King of Heaven wants to be close to you. But at the same time, Jesus has a face. He has a heart. He has hands. And what the Gospel of Mark does is he gives you a man that you can be loved by and you can love. And so today, I, I want to say, what is your picture of Jesus? Is he so other that it becomes impossible to have him in the ordinary day of life? Or is he so ordinary that really you couldn't really be bothered whether he was around or not? But I want to show you this morning, right at the start of Jesus' life, is he loves people. And, and I also want to correct a view a little bit about what I mean by that. I'm trying to be very careful about your understanding of what I'm saying because I know what I was like and it took me years to get what I'm trying to say this morning. And it, Jesus being with us doesn't necessarily mean he just wants to meet our needs. You see, you can translate that and say, well, I've got to bring all my requests for my family and for my finances and for my friends and for my work. Is we know what it's like to draw near to Christ with need. And what we see is Jesus is so kind. In the Gospel of Mark, his time for people, once off, the paralytic, the, the leper, the, the lady with an illness for 12 years, you, the story goes on and on and on. He is available for people in need, but friends, it goes much deeper than that. And I'm trying to reach your heart this morning. Is Christ's mission was not just to be available to answer need. It was to form deep, loving, eternal, lifelong friendships with those who were called his disciples. And I'm hoping today God opens up your heart to see that the work of Christ in your life is not just to approach him with your need, but to experience what it means to be a disciple. And friends, the wonder about Jesus is he didn't just say, come and tell me your need. He said, I want to come into your life and I want to share every aspect of it. The primary way that he ministered was to form deep, meaningful relationships with those who were called his disciples. And if you are a follower of Christ today, that is your identity. You are a disciple of Christ. So when you read Mark, you must be saying, oh, what did these guys enjoy? Even without the Holy Spirit. What are these guys, how did they relate to Jesus? Because their identity is my identity. And friends, there's a lot to be enjoyed. Because you see, what I love about these guys is that Jesus wants to share life with them. Not just their Sunday morning worship. 
is he says, come and follow me. And the context of the Gospel of Mark, it is powerful. It is powerful to see how close Christ wants you to follow him into every aspect of your life. But now, it's just, my second point is this. So the first is, is that Jesus loves people. And what I'm trying to point out to you is, do you know that that means he loves you? He wants to be close to you, but then you might say, oh, second point, second point like me. Can this be real? Can this be true? I mean, gosh, if you had unzipped my heart this morning, <laughs> let me tell you, Marina will, will tell you firsthand, I'm not the nicest person to be around. And though she's covenanted to me in marriage, I'm not easy. How much more the Son of God that can step into your thought life and into the true motivations of your heart. Let me tell you, He knows you better than anybody else and it is natural. Can I just point out, there's kindness in this moment. It is natural to say to yourself, the Son of God wants to have fellowship with me, but He knows exactly what I'm like. Uh, you know, some, some of... <laughs> Let's just make this very clear this morning. You might come in here looking like a certain person, but he knows what you really like. And in the midst of this, in the midst of this, he's saying, I want fellowship with you. But where can we get encouragement this morning? If you feel like I do, this insecurity, all these, these objections as to why Christ and I can't be close. Oh man, well, we can look to these disciples this morning to see, Jesus, we've got a lot of encouragement because the kind of people Jesus loves to hang with are not the kind of people who are nice and neat and tidy. What I love about the disciples, when you read about them in the book of Mark, is I see so much of myself in them. And the thing that we ought to draw from their story is to say, what are you waiting for? Come and enjoy Jesus. Do you, do you need to be lily white and perfect to be in the presence of the Son of God? Do you need to be the Pharisee with all the biblical knowledge? Do you need to be the one who is the perfectly educated man or woman? Do you need to be part of the synagogue and the in people of the society of the day in order to enjoy Jesus? Praise God, no. Who are the kind of people that Jesus found first in his ministry? What were they? They were? Oh, come, come. What were they? They were? Fishermen. Now, fishermen do not strike you as the most sophisticated people in the world, eh? Hey? They're smelly. They are. I know from personal experience, I could not get the prawn smell and the fish gut smell off my hands. I grew up along a river, and I had a friend obsessed with fishing, never rubbed off on me. I'd much rather bring the book whilst he fished. But the bottom line is this, is we stank. You know, when I look and I drive past homeless people on the side of the road, the thing that I think of is Christ loves them intimately, perfectly, powerfully. He's not put off by stench, praise God. He's not put off by lack of education. How many of you don't even have him a trick? How many of you are saying, Chis, man, you hear this guy talking from the Bible. I didn't achieve anything academically. Do you know, you're the perfect kind of example Jesus loves to be with. How many of you feel like you're a bit rough around the edges and embarrassingly so? You know, I, I love Peter because he's got no filter. Someone said, I can't remember who, but he, he has foot and mouth disease. He's always putting his foot in his mouth and he's right. He says stupid things. You think about the... <laughs> James and John, they are angry. They're called sons of thunder. How many of you have an anger problem? I mean, I mean, Jesus is not put off with this. How many of you are? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so, I, I know some of you are accountants in the room. But you don't strike me as the most exciting sort of people. Jesus does. There's Matthew the tax collector. There's, there's Simon the, the zealot. 
You know what zealots were like? Black and white, man. They're intense about everything. They're the guys chanting, free the animals from his London Zoo. They have all these great causes. The zealots are always after a cause, man. They can be exhausting at times. Wonderful people, but man, they can be tiring because everything's an issue. Making a cup of coffee with not organic milk, going to this, not a, I mean, they can be so complicated. But as you start to see the kind of people, not that they went and found Jesus, Jesus found them. Isn't that incredible? And I ask you this morning, what reason do you have to live far away from Christ this morning? The only one is if you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. But even there, come and believe the gospel. Come and believe the good news. And the joy of these fishermen finding Christ is to be the joy for us is that he is not after the, the, the cleverest student in the classroom. He's not after the one in the synagogue. He's not after the one in the temple. He goes out to the ordinary areas of life and he finds ordinary people like you and me and he loves being with us. He loves being with these people. They say the silliest things. They're a bit slow spiritually. They were not the brightest candle in the pack. Chapter after chapter, you keep going, oh, Peter, please don't say that. After so many chapters, do you still not get it? And then you realize after 35 years of knowing Jesus, you're still so slow. Friends, when you read the Gospel of Mark, they are giving you a Christ that can be close to you. That's the gift of this Gospel. Without diluting His divinity or His humanity, you get to see the beauty of His heart for you. And this morning, I must move on quickly. Uh, you know, this, this way of Jesus relating, we must just dial down a little bit. He doesn't deal with us through the sterility of heaven. You know, I imagine heaven being like a theater room. No germs, everything so clean. Have you ever had to go to theater? Everything has to be scrubbed. Everything is so white and you go in there, you know, you, you kind of walk in with this glare. Jesus is, is not like that. He moves into unsanitized life. And you must think about how Christ related to these disciples. I'm hoping God's giving you eyes to see this this morning because it's wonderful. They laugh together. When last did you laugh with Jesus? I'll give you a personal example for me. There I was, stressed out, man, typical, lockdown level four. Where is the church? I take an hour to pray because everybody was going home at four o'clock. It's the best time, on the time to pray in the office and I'm praying and, and I'm pacing. I can just see. And I'm pacing like this. And I'm praying. And I'm praying. Lord, how are these people doing? And you know, where are we going? And you know what the Lord does? The picture I get, the answer, he's laughing. He's saying, my boy, look at you. You're so stressed. Don't you know through faith? There's the scripture. Through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. And it wasn't a kind of, it was the sense of him enjoying his silly son finding peace in the father who loves him laughing laughing you know i have so appreciated the fact that jesus loved to spend time with him doing ordinary things this will open up a whole new world for you you know jesus loves being with you when you run when you do your gardening when you do your work when you're with your spouse when you're playing board games when you he loves it and this joy of jesus is not just this little hour where you're sitting with your quiet time it's a special time because for him it does something for him not just you it communicates your devotion to him, that you're willing to put down other things because you especially love him. But the point is this, that spills over into every single area of your life. 
And whether you're catching waves as a surfer, whether you're reading a great novel or a great book, whether you're enjoying the silliness of your kids or whether you're failing in the moment of whatever they're happening, you can find him. He's close. That's the kind of life he wants to live with you. Isn't that wonderful? Because the reason why it's so important for us to grasp it is because it means Jesus can be enjoyed every second of every hour of every day. Not just the holy moments that are supposed to be for Him. And the reason why I, I, I'm playing this out is my third point is because <laughs> it's in everyday life He wants to minister to me. Sermons are wonderful. They are God-designed. Small group is wonderful. They are God-designed. But you still have to go back into ordinary life to live them, right? And you will discover when Jesus says this in verse 17, listen to this. He says, And Jesus said to them, when he called them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The way Jesus was telling them, think about it practically. The way Jesus was saying, Come follow me, wasn't into the synagogue wasn't into a church in inverted commas it wasn't into the temple the way jesus says come and follow me and i will do a work in you i will make you is i'm come follow me into everyday life and to minimize the ministry of jesus as being linked to only a building or a place or a posture of of prayer friends is to actually cut him off at the knees in terms of how he wants to work in your life The sweetest Christians that I've come to savor being in their company have been those that have found Christ and a delight in Him in every area of life. There's a fragrance around them. There's an aroma. There's a sense of, wow. They've learned to taste Him. And, and today, friends, I want to say, if, if you don't have a construct for Christ's fellowship outside of your quiet time, you will miss the grace gifts of his closeness and training in your life. Can I give you a very personal example? So last night, my beautiful wife and I are playing board games, which she's very good at, by the way, especially the word games. But what happens is we have a moment where she's beating me at this game that we none of us really quite understand. Or ticket to ride and it turns out at the end the reason why one of these she's beating me is because she's got an extra piece on the board somehow an extra bus landed up there so as she's calculating she's going Woo-hoo! and she passes this comment and she says you know why I made the mistake because you just wouldn't ever stop whispering now I love I, I've just got a, I've got a problem I've got a musical twitch where whatever is playing and and it, it was it was uh, Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell. And, I, and I'm just singing it over. And I'm sure it drives me crazy. She's probably right. But the second she said that, I'm like, excuse me. Now, I'm, now this is all. This is not. She, I'm like stonewalling her. I'm sitting there. And I start to say, you're blaming me. That's your issue. Not my issue. For about 15 minutes, I'm sitting there. It's supposed to be date night. It's hate night. <laughs> And, and this is the point. This is the point. Jesus speaks to you. He says, Matthew, you're offended. You need to forgive Marina for that silly comment. She didn't mean it anyway, but 
it hurt your ego. And you have a choice now. Either you're going to come and put this right in your heart before me, or you're going to have a terrible evening, and I want to enjoy this evening with you and me. A wonderful evening. I can tell you so many times, going through times when I'm so stressed and hustling, and Jesus says, Matthew, you need to slow down, my boy. I can't get to you. And learning this yoke that is easy and this burden that is light into the most ordinary situations where he's speaking into emotions, he's speaking into thoughts, he's, you're processing even the delight of exercise. I've started to run again and the joy of going, wow, Lord, to be fit and to have this wonderful opportunity to enjoy you through these things. Like Joe said a couple of weeks ago, we flip these things up. We get to feel connected to Christ in the most ordinary things of the day. That's living and following Jesus. The joy of being close to my wife as being a gift from him. The joy of being able to enjoy good food as him being connecting his love for me practically. The joy of me having a purpose and being able to come to work and being able to serve and to get to preach this, getting to do this with him. It is the most wonderful, glorious way to live. But, 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 I, but the point I'm making is this is unless you have this construct of every part of your life being a unified whole in Him and Him leading you into the most ordinary things of your life, your experience of Him will be arrested, will be truncated. And in actual fact, you'll miss the blessing for what you've been saved. And I just want to quickly say this. I, I'm not just talking about this, this, this wonderful individualistic connection between you and Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Do you notice the kind of disciples that he produced? He's not a life coach. That's not what I'm talking about. Is he saved disciples into a group. And the way they discovered Jesus was through other people's mistakes and questions and hunger. Do you know the way that you learn about Christ? is not just you getting all hard, calling intense, one-on-one, -on -one saying, I'm leaving this place and I'm spending all my time with you, Jesus. No, the way that you find Christ, and that's what we're after, I hope you're after, the way we find Christ is community. These disciples, they made such silly mistakes or they asked questions and everyone else is watching. And friends, the way that you discover Jesus today is not about being on a one-man mission or a lone ranger. Oh, we got to preach this more and more. The way that you experience the fullness of Christ is as other disciples are feasting on Him and delighting on Him. You're learning, you're picking up, even through their mistakes and errors. You're learning to find Christ. And, and I said to the 8 o'clock, and I mean it this morning, it might be that one of the ways you learn Jesus is through my personal mistakes. And today, as you look at this, I, I ask you again, why are you here? What are you after? If you are after Christ, then friends, you need to be after community because the way Jesus ministers to you is not just in everyday life. It's through everyday brothers and sisters that you have enough connection with which enables their voice and their findings of Christ to minister to you. I have to push again. Are you in any meaningful fellowship with other Christians? I don't... I don't really mind what that looks like. We have small group ministry. We have all sorts of opportunities for Christians to be together. What? So they can have friends? Yeah, but that they can befriend the greatest friend, which is Jesus. 
Oh, I must quickly move on. My fourth point is this, though. It's not just the way Jesus wants to minister to you by this understanding. So remember the thinking is he wants to be close to you. That's his primary task of the cross is he's reconciling you to himself and to God. He doesn't want you to live far away from him. He doesn't want you to be hiding in the shadows. He doesn't want you to be living from such a distance that somehow you hope that he's hearing you. No, he wants you to be right there in the midst of everyday life, intimately allowing you to follow him into everything. That's the first point. But the second point, it is really in everyday life. And this unified whole, you're bringing everything into a construct of Christ. But something happens, something happens that we need to see is that all of this is not just, and it's an important point, it's not just for a personal satisfaction. It's for a great purpose. And I'll be silly today for you to leave the place going, it's so wonderful to be with Jesus, but for what? For satisfaction, oh, let me tell you, the soul needs it more than what we realize. But the second is for purpose. And, and I want to talk for a moment, the radical change that happens in a believer's life when they come to Christ. I want you to think about for a moment, if you heard what Jesus said to those disciples, what did Jesus command those fishermen? He said, come and follow me. And what did they do? They immediately left there? Then left there? Nets. Imagine, imagine Jesus saying this to Mariki. Mariki, if you're going to follow me, leave teaching. To what? Imagine if, if Jesus came to Marina and said, stop medicine. Can you imagine what that would do to you? What, what, what would that feel like for a moment? To say, whatever you are, grandmother, mother, wife, husband, put whatever that context is, when Christ calls the human being into fellowship with him, he is saying, I want you to leave in essence what gives you the deepest sense of identity? There is a shift that happens. This leaving of the net. It was a big deal. You know what I thought of? It's not just the fact that I'm having to stop being a fisherman. It's that I'm actually going to have to trust you, Jesus, that you're going to provide financially for me because the way I earned my money, the way I actually felt security in this life, was holding on to this net. And so what is Jesus saying here? This is not just a call saying, hey, if you'd like, come and follow me. And in your spare time, come along and, you know, when you find the time, come and meet with me. Let me tell you, when he says, hey, come follow me, and they leave their nets. They, <laughs> I don't know how James and John got away with their father, but Zebedee somehow had to carry on with the, with the servants in the boat. And these guys packed up, off they went, and to who knows where. What is Jesus saying then? Because he's saying something. I'll say the first thing he's saying is, ladies and gentlemen, this call to follow Christ, it is radical in its entirety. That putting down the net meant that the old way of living and thinking and operating has now radically changed. What do I mean by that? When someone asks you, this is the answer you should give in your heart if you can't say it out loud, but that should be from your mind. Who are you? Your answer now is, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a tax collector. I'm not a pharmacist. I'm a follower of Christ. What are you doing here? I'm following Jesus. 
Oh, so in other words, my identity is not primarily my career. I don't find my life and my, my fulfillment and, and my purpose in my career. Oh, no, no, that's now found in Him. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus is able to take their past and their ordinary life of being fishers, fishermen and be able to upgrade that for His glory and say, now I'm starting to live for Him. I was a fisher. A fisherman just catching fish for money, for catching fish for security. Now, under Christ, everything I'm doing, I'm catching people. I'm catching things. But Christ has upgraded the very essence of who I am in my identity and why I'm here. And this gets to the very heart of what drives you and me as a person. I ask you, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Because the call of Christ for fellowship and to be close, when he says, come and follow me, it is an entirely different way of living. Because friends, today, I have to be honest with you, he is not an add-on. Christ will not work. Christ will not have it where you sort of just try and attach him to your fundamental propulsions in other areas of life. No, no. What he wants is he wants the nets to be put down and he wants you to follow him. And that means when he asks you to do things, sometimes in life you have to trust him even though you don't want to go there. Even though he's leading you to areas, even sharing your faith. What will they think of me? Oh, well, I've put down the nets. I'm not casting my security into these other identities. I'm trusting Jesus. My identity is to follow him into everywhere. And if he's telling me to, to share my faith with this person, if he's telling me to move a, a suburbs in the city, who's telling me to change jobs, if he's taking some things away that were really comfortable and I need him up, I'm doing it because I trust him, because I'm not looking to this net to provide for me or to give me identity. I'm not looking to my work or to my wife or to these things of this world or my past to give me identity. I'm looking to Jesus. You see, this fellowship is wonderful, but it is for change. It is for change. He says, follow me and I will make you. There is a transforming process of pursuing Christ, which is not just satisfying, it's challenging. And friends, today I ask you, who are you this morning? I want to tell you from the Word of God, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a born-again believer, you are a follower of Jesus. That is why you are here. Forget the big pension. Not many of us can even get that right. Forget the big house, forget the big reputation of the world. Why are you here? What are you interested in? Who are you looking for in every single moment of your day and life? Who are you being sensitive to? You are looking for the leadership of this man, Jesus Christ, into every area of your life. Your identity now at the very roots of who you are and what propels you is that you are a follower of Christ. Your security now, ladies and gentlemen, is him. I don't know where the leadership of the Lord is taking you at the moment. Sometimes it can be pretty scary. But his commitment to you is this. If you will trust him by following him, whatever that looks like, he promises like those disciples, he will not fail you. Don't you think it is a modern marvel that 12 disciples without work, 
without jobs, without any financial security, could live off the ministry of Jesus for three and a half years. And Christ was so faithful to them. They didn't ask where their next meal was going to be from. They were going to ask even the Passover meal. They go to Jesus, okay, what are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do now? And there Jesus provides the three and a half years of Christ's ministry to these disciples is he's looking after them. He's loving them. Their security is coming from his presence. And they are never the same again. That's what it's like for you. Got some conflicts? You got some difficulty at work? You got some unfixed situation? You got some relational need? You got some. Christ will lead you. Christ will provide for you. But you can't run back to the net. You can't go back to the dummy. You can't go back to the things that sometimes we're tempted to and he has to draw us back. That's okay. But you got to land on him. You got to say, This is my leader. This is his voice in my life. This is what he's commanding me to do. And I, out of my faithfulness to him, I follow him out of my identity. I go where he goes. And friends, if you will live like that, he will take your ordinary life. He's not asking you to go into full-time ministry. He might be doing some. But what does he mean by saying, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They're still fishing. They're still doing what they're good at, except he's upgraded it. He said, if you will live this way with me in every area of your life, down from the simplest task of completing a form to having to fight for what is right or doing standing for justice, no matter what the depth or degree is required of you, if you will live with such a sense of Christ being connected in everything in my life and my desire to follow and please him in all things, he will upgrade the ordinariness of your life for his extraordinary purpose. Because my last point is this. You cannot stay the same if you are in true fellowship with Jesus. Being close to Jesus called me out my heart towards Marina. Being close to Jesus puts people in our city that I drive past got no food. What are we doing about it? Suddenly my life becomes a passion for what his life is about, here's the full circle, come follow me, because I love you, Christian, Christ is coming to you, come follow me, I want relationship with you, but look at what the full circle is, and I will make you fishers of men. The very outcome of fellowship is this wonderful passion and purpose, the same heart of Christ for people becomes the heart of God's people for others, and friends, that is how you know you are growing in Jesus, is if your heart is soft and broken for those around you. Because that's how he found you. You know, sometimes I think of my own life as being such, so pharisaical. I think to myself, oh, here I am, 35 years old, preaching whatever, 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 whatever you want. We all put little markers in there. And I think to myself, but who gave me Christ? It was my mother and my father who loved Jesus. And they were determined to let their little boy and girl know Christ. Who stepped into my father's family, which he will openly tell you was a disaster. His father was an alcoholic, abusive. His mother was, had a terrible, terrible time. But somebody invited her to church. She got saved. She started to pray. And the God, by God's mercy and grace, the same attitude of being drawn in to this father became her attitude to draw into others towards Christ. And the whole cycle of sin, abuse, and brokenness at that point was broken because of the heart of God's people to reach out to those 
who do not yet know him. And some of us have stories today of somebody taking the time to invite you to church. You know, I am so appreciative of Sunday school teachers. I'll never forget a lady who wasn't even in our church coming to share the gospel with me. She took the time. I don't think she even earned anything. I don't think she earned much based on how she dressed. But this mattered because you see, when you have fellowship with Jesus, friends, the things that are on his heart becomes what's on yours. And true fellowship, true fe I'm not talking about selfish fellowship. I'm talking about honest fellowship. I'm talking about when you are able to say to God, what are you saying for me today? What do you want me to do today? As you're doing, he will start to push and shepherd you into a way where people become what matters to you more than anything. And you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be in, uh, some sort of people's person to fulfill all this. We need all kinds of people to reach all different kinds of people. I tell you, my wife is brilliant one-on-one. -on -one. Don't put her in a group. Put me in the group. But she's excellent at making connections. And the kind of connection that people respond to. And I want to say to you today, friends, as much as I'm pushing you towards enjoying Jesus and bringing him into every area, letting him wash you and sanctify you and stay close to you into every area, I am saying this, is that his voice in your life and a measure of his voice in your life is marked by your holy concern for those who don't know him. So my question to you today is twofold. The first is, how far away are you living from Jesus? And why? I granted you have to change. I shared last week, he said to that lady, you got caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He says, neither do I condemn you. You will find him a gracious master, gracious savior, but he is a savior for change. What are you waiting for? Make the change. Say sorry. Can anything possibly compare to the wonder of being close to Jesus? What are you waiting for? What is your life substance going to be? A sort of wafting around far away this presence of God or are you going to take seriously his invitation to come? Oh, preaching to myself this morning. How much are others on your heart? Because the one that draws close to God's heart has their own change. And so today, is there anybody here who doesn't know Jesus? Can I introduce you to this most wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come into your life today by the power of the Spirit, unasked for, undeserved, and saying, I am coming for you. What will you do this morning with the invitation of calling Christ Savior and Lord? Will you respond to him? Forget about all the stuff that comes up. You take that to him and you say to him, Jesus, you died for it. I believe it and you rose again. And now from this moment on, why should I live far away from a God who's reconciled me with his own son? Is there any more evidence I need to find Christ and the promises of God's faithfulness to bring me home? To, if he's giving me his son, what else will he withhold? No, come and confess Christ as Savior. Come and cast your, yourself upon him and say, Jesus, there is no other place to be. There's no one else I want. I want you. But the second is this, is, is today, is friends. People need to hear this message. And they don't need an articulate gospel. 
They need a gospel that comes from your heart. They need a gospel that understands at a basic level, this Jesus loved me when I didn't deserve it. He died for me. He rose again. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. What are you waiting for? And, I, I, and you know, this is the picture I got. I want to close. You know, when you cast the hook with the baits, it's like the gospel. Fishing is a brilliant example of, of the gospel. Or let's say you, you cast the net. Sometimes you don't catch. But you've got to keep casting in order to catch something. And the point is this today. And it takes time. Let me tell you, I watch some fishermen. <laughs> they are masters. They still don't catch every time. But you can learn. Mark Wood's like that for me. I'm learning. Bryce is like that for me. I'm learning. Whoever can teach me how to share this gospel better and be a better fisherman, praise God. But ultimately, unless I cast, nothing is going to be caught. And friends, today in your life, in the people around you, your family, some of you have been casting for years. Well done. Keep going. Keep bringing your faithfulness and trust God. But unless you keep casting, what's going to be caught? People don't need eloquence. They need to hear what Christ has done for you and how much he means to you. And the best gift you can give a world perishing in sin is a Christian who's alive, a life revived, resurrected, enjoying Jesus. That's the gift we have to give. Let's pray. Father, we bless you this morning. Some of us have known Christ for many years, but isn't it a wonder that you can know him more? Isn't that incredible? You've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Oh, but there's still so much more to come. And we pray today, Lord, for a, a holy discontent in our knowledge of you. I want to pray that this congregation become a living testimony of what it means to hunger and thirst for Christ and to be satisfied. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the wonders of what God has prepared for those who love Him. And let me tell you, that is all centered and flowing from this person of Jesus. And I pray today we would take up the dinner invitation to come and feast on Christ. What could be better than to taste and see that the Lord is good? Blessed are those who find refuge in Him. Oh, Lord, and I pray for the one who's lost. Oh, if you have not yet repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, what are you waiting for, my friend? It is grace to you today to hear the gospel and to have Christ presented to you. Come and taste without purchase, without price, the eternal love of God shed, crucified for you, that you might be reconciled. And that means you can come and know him and be at peace. Eternal life is on offer for you today. Don't cast it away as if it's some sort of fake pearl. But I pray for you today, would you come and see the glory of Christ? The riches that are found in him are yours as a gift. But you must receive him. You must repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. And then Lord, I, I peer led us so well this morning in this fact of we have people in our lives that you're calling us to fish for. We're not casting nets anymore for money. You provide that anyway for the mission. Lord, you're casting, telling us to cast nets for people. And I pray, Lord, today, would you stir our hearts again with compassion and faith for the ones that we rub shoulders with. Some of us have got a lot to forgive. I, I just get a sense there's someone in the workplace, your colleagues have really shafted you. 
they annoy you. In actual fact, you're angry. Would you bring that to Jesus this morning and would you show, I pray, Lord, show them that you have put them there as a gospel light. And I pray that the oxygen for them to survive in an atmosphere of such tension would be, man, Christ died for me. I'm forgiven. And I pray, Lord, in our families, in our workplaces, in the places where we play, all of these opportunities to do ordinary life with you, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your mission would grip our hearts. And in our simple way, just as you meet ordinary people who share Christ out of ordinary experience, you'd reveal yourself as an extraordinary Savior. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. We're going to sing one song. And uh, we're going to close off. Uh, but take this moment just to tell Jesus, flip back what he said to you, whether it's desire, whether it's somebody that you're really burdened for today, saying, God, 20 years later, I'm still casting. Help me. Come, bring that to Christ. Do what the Word says. Refuse to process that far from Him. And let's enjoy this last part of our service together. Let's stand.
this word, not forget what you've said, would we remember it throughout the week, throughout the mundane things that we do in our day, with every interaction, the people around us, give us ears and hearts to listen and hear. be more like you, Lord. And thank you that you do that, Lord. You don't leave us the same. We're changed by your presence, by your spirit, by your word. We have this fellowship. Believe us, Lord. Thank you for your provision. For this faith. Thank you for the salvation, Lord. All glory and honor and power and worth be yours today and forever. In Jesus' name. Oh Lord, you know, um, such wonderful prayers from Matt and from Julie that. I don't want to repeat that. That's just, it's beautiful and it's uh, from our heart. Um, as you said, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And that's what our desire is, Lord, is to, is to fix our eyes on you and to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And may we be mindful not only of those who we can be influenced, be an influence to, but thank you for those who influence us, that we can be grateful and recognize them, and that we don't see them for anything else than for the purpose that they have in our life that is bringing us closer to you in, in our community. So. Lord, thank you for this time that we've had together, that we can hear your voice and we can enjoy you as we have. We ask that you would be with us now as we go out this week, that uh, in the mundane things that we do, that they would be glorifying to you and that we would seek and have breakthrough for your glory. We ask this in your precious name. Be with us now and always. Amen. Thank you. May the love of Christ and the grace go with us 
as we depart now. Thanks for coming and uh, yeah, God bless.